Today I'm going to relate to you a story by H.G. Wells, which I've used as a background for uh, a presentation that I gave, and I'll add in a few of my comments along the way. So um, let's dive into the Valley of the Blind. This is a place where those who suspect they're innately wise, brilliant and powerful come to learn how to transform their lives. One cognition, one realization and one blinding flash of the obvious at a time. We are the innovators, the record breakers, the world makers and creators of all kinds. We supersede the suppressive worldview of mass ignorance and awaken the strength within. We are waking up to our innate secrets. My name is Dr. Mark Postles and welcome to the Innate Secrets Podcast. Now the story tells of a climbing party high in Ecuador's rugged, rugged Andes. Someone raised an alarm that Nunez had gone. Nunez had fallen a thousand meters. At the bottom of a slope he lay, stunned and insensitive, but without a bone broken in his body. He was awakened by the singing of birds in the trees far below. Nunez made his way down to the beautiful valley. A meandering stream filled with sparkling clear water followed the valley floor. Green pastures were covered with grazing livestock. Neat rows of vegetables and fruits of every description dotted the landscape. The buildings, all in neat rows covered with a random stucco of mud, he noted the buildings had no windows. Then he saw some people. They were shuffling their way along the neat, well-worn paths, their arms outstretched. He realized that the people of this valley were blind. Nunez then recalled an ancient legend of a valley which lay some hundred miles from Cotopaxi, the valley into which the Peruvian half-breeds fleeing from the lust and tyranny of an evil ruler retreated just before a massive earthquake which sealed off the valley mouth from the rest of the world, trapping them for eternity. Now, a strange disease had come upon them and had made all the children born to them blind. This was indeed the Valley of the Blind. Through his thoughts ran the old proverb, as if it were a refrain, in the country of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. And very civilly, he gave them greeting. Where do you come from, they asked. Over the mountain and glaciers I come, out of the great big world that goes down twelve days' journey to the sea, said Nunez. Out of the country beyond there where man can see. From near Bogota, where there are hundreds of thousands of people, where the city passes out of sight. For fourteen generations these people have been blind and cut off from the seeing world. The names for all the things of sight had faded and changed. The story of the outer world was faded and changed to a child's story. They had ceased to concern themselves with anything beyond their rocky valley. Now blind men of genius had arisen among them and questioned the shreds of belief and tradition that had brought with them from the seeing days. They had dismissed all these things as idle fantasies and replace them with new and saner explanations. Much of their imagination had shriveled with their eyes. The eldest of the blind men explained to him life and philosophy and religion. 
They spoke of angels whom one could hear singing and making fluttering sounds, but with whom no one could touch. This puzzled Nunez greatly until he thought of the birds. He went on to tell Nunez how time had been divided into warm and cold, which are the blind equivalents of day and night, and how it was good to sleep in the warm and work during the cold. Nunez, being the eternal optimist, thought, I must bring them to reason. He spoke of the beauties of sight, of watching the mountains, of the sky and the sunrise, and they heard him with a dismissive amusement, which soon became condemnation. They told him there were indeed no mountains at all, but that the end of the rocks where the llamas graze was indeed the end of the world. Then sprang a, sprang a, a cavernous roof of the of universe from which the dew and the avalanches fell. And when he maintained stoutly the world had neither end nor roofs as such and as they supposed, they said his thoughts were wicked. They decided to banish him from the village because he would contaminate their children with his wild ideas. He pleaded with them to let him stay. He promised that he would speak no more of sighted things. He resolved to hold back on his truth to be tolerated in the Valley of the Blind. Nunez became quite comfortable living in the valley. All his needs were met, plenty of food and water, and as long as he didn't mention sight and phenomena outside of their reality, the, the company was quite congenial. By now he had met and developed an affinity with a girl, Medina. Her eyelids were less red and sunken than the others, and she had long eyelashes, which were considered a grave disfigurement. So she had no lover. His connection with Medina grew, and they be began to talk of a life together. He became happy to consider living in the valley for the rest of his days. For them to be married, the valley people decided his eyes must be removed. So under the moonlight, Nunez walked into the fields and contemplated his fate, giving up his vision to be accepted in the Valley of the Blind. Just as Nunez looked up into the starry sky, he realized that he was at a pivot point in his life. There comes a time in all of our lives when we hear our calling. Nunez lay there and thought, do I give up my vision and live comfortably in the Valley of the Blind and be accepted? Or do I set my sights on the summit? He wonders, what is, this, what is the nature of the world? Do I have the commitment to live and to express myself at a higher level? Nunez walked through the fields, contemplating his fate. As he walked, he lifted up his eyes and saw the morning light dawning. The morning like an angel in golden armor marching down the slopes. Nunez knew he had to listen to his inner voice. Nunez knew he had to take action. He had to turn his back on the valley. Nunez moved forward. His eyes were always on the sunlit ice and snow of the high peaks in the distance. He saw their infinite beauty, and his imagination soared over them to the things beyond. Then, very circumspectly, he climbed and climbed. When sunset came, he was no longer climbing. He was far and high. His clothes were torn, his limbs were bloodstained, he was bruised in many places. 
But Nunez lay as if he were at ease. There was a smile on his face. There was a song in his heart. He had reached the summit. He lifted up his tired head as he cast his eyes over the beautiful vista of possibilities that lay ahead of him with yet other summits. I think this really depicts the challenges that we face in our life in that we can be lured into the comfortable side of life, into taking the easy way out, into giving up part of our spirit in order to be accepted by allowing ourselves to um, to take our eyes off what's possible. And this is a challenge within any system, with any growing system. It's like do, we're either growing or we're dying. And so how can we keep looking forward and renewing ourselves and regoling ourselves and remissioning ourselves and there within the brain we've got the left and the right sides and this 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 poem talks to that this this um, story talks to that it talks to the left left side as being wanting to stay with the past and not wanting to look into the future whilst the right side of the brain wants to experience new vistas and new summits and and experience what life's about before it's happened once it create and so we we get caught in this this uh, challenge between left and right because all things that are solid and stayed and and uh, have been and systematized within society tend to be on the left side it's the historical component it's the controlling authority component and the right side is the side that we want to get out and, and make more with our life and take ourselves into the future and create a new future. And so this is the, the, the discussion that takes place internally between the quadrants one and three on the right side and the quadrants two and four on the left side. And of course there's a balance within that because order and structure is necessary and so we, you know, we, we must listen to that left side of our brain. But at the same time, the right side of the brain needs to be exercised and it needs to have an opportunity to invigorate and refresh our lives. So consider this then, when you're, when you're looking at your life and you're saying, you know, am I uh, really giving vent to those things that I can envision or am I dulling it down for conformity? I'm dulling it down to be accepted. I'm dulling it down so that I'm not going to um, break any convention. And consider where you need to make decisions, where you need to make uh, a choice about your, your, your life, where, you know, where there's a pivotal point that it's about saying, okay, I, I understand the safety and the security of that, that left brain, and at the same time, I have a heart that's yearning for a, a bigger thing, a new thing, a, a new direction. So be aware of that and, and, and observe yourself in that process and do what you can to acknowledge that and live to it. Lean into it. Lean into the unknown future. Lean into the, uh, the part of you that wants to experience the very best for you. And at the same time, be grateful 
for the support uh, that you have within the left side of your brain. So consider these, play with it, and remember that the valley of the blind is a place that we all go, that we're all living at some level, and we do have the choice to open our eyes, to look at the mountaintops, and to seek our new summit. Let us show you how to fire your brain in ways that serve you so that you can be confident, connected, and bring joy and passion into what you do every day. Get a free copy of my book, The Innate Model. Go to theinnatemodel.com forward slash free book.